Every day in our lives, we are utterly dependent on power. Power provided by an engine, or perhaps more especially in our homes, power provided by electricity, gas, and oil. In fact, we are so dependent on these things that there's such a concern in these days about CO2 emissions and about trying to to cut back on the effects of producing our power. And we are very dependent on it, and we only need to think of the example of when the electricity supply is cut off and we suddenly realize we don't open the freezer in case it all rots. We have the, the fridge and maybe the heating Uh, No way to cook, nothing to boil the kettle with, uh, and perhaps we don't even begin to understand, if it was off for a long period, just how much we are dependent on it. We should give thanks every day for the stability of supply of electricity. It reminds me that when we went to Ballymacashan, we had, and indeed we still have, an oil lamp and a gas stove. And there were occasions when we needed those. The the electricity could have gone off and it might have been some hours, maybe a day before it came on again. At least we could boil some water and we had something to light. Uh, We still have them, but we haven't used them in a very long time. Certainly, I don't think since we came to Balamone and maybe not even since we moved to Belfast. But we still have them, perhaps If ever the need arises, power, we depend on power. But how much more the need for the power of Almighty God. And as we come to the verses in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, we see the power of God at work through the apostles. Here are the believers, they are depending on the power of God. And you and I need to learn we can do nothing without God's power leading us and directing us and sustaining us. It is God's power that needs to be at work in the church. If we are going to do anything, it will only be by the power of God. And there are lessons that we can learn from these verses for our own present day. And The dependence on God and the mighty working of his power is perhaps the main lesson. And that ought to drive us daily to our knees to seek his power, his help. Just note that the account comes in the light of what has happened with Ananias and Sapphira. The judgment that fell upon these two people because they sought to deceive the church, and even to deceive God, is still very fresh in the minds of the people. Remember, and as we read there, uh, after the death of Ananias, the people were afraid, uh, and the the fear of God was upon them. Great fear, reading verse 5, seized all who heard. And then again in verse uh, 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these things. And it's in the context of that knowledge of our our holy God who could judge 
that we come to the miraculous power that is at work in verses 12 to 16. And as you'll see in a moment, that helps to explain why some did not join the church. First of all, however, I want us to think about what we've already sung about, the unity of the church. Because here are the people. And the apostles are performing many miraculous signs and wonders. There is a a vibrant and a, a clear evidence of the working of God. It was his power. As the apostles healed, it wasn't some kind of magic or trickery. It wasn't some kind of psychological thing. It wasn't a performance. It was the power of God that was at work. And as the apostles under the God were used to do these miraculous signs, those miraculous things, those healings, were a testimony or they were accrediting the message that the apostles spoke And while the emphasis here seems to be on performing miraculous signs and wonders, the message is very clearly evident because we read later that many believed. And what did they believe? They believed on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed the Lord. How did they know about the Lord? Because the apostles had been preaching to them the gospel. And it was because of the miraculous workings that accompanied that they knew this is the same message that Jesus taught. He who worked miracles. Now we see miracles being performed by those men who are called by his name and the message is the same. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... In those days of the apostles, the message was accredited by the work that they did. It was in this way that the church, the early church, was built up, that they came together and they dwelled together in unity. They were at one. It wasn't that the miracles held the people together. It wasn't simply the excitement of seeing these wonderful things happen. Not at all. They were together because of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came together, as we read in Solomon's Connolade, or in the temple, a porch of the temple, and it was a large porch, a place where people gathered, and they knew, if I want to hear a message about what Jesus Christ is teaching, I can go there. That's where they could go and meet. And they heard the word of God. And they came together as one. There was a togetherness. Now, the New International Translation doesn't bring it out, but the original gives that indication. They were together in a unity, a oneness of mind and heart. And it was consolidated as they came around the good news of Jesus Christ and saw healing in his name. That unity is something that had already been indicated because prior to Ananias and Sapphira we read that the whole church had held everything in common. There was such a oneness of spirit that they were ready to sell their goods and bring to supply need 
What a unity. That maybe was even the downfall of Ananias and Sapphira wanting people to think more of them than they, than they was real. What a lesson today for you and me. There should be a unity. And the unity that we are to have is not on some eerie, fiery uh, thing. The unity that binds us together is none other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's something we need to remember in all the practical outworking of our faith, in all the practical decisions and things that have to take place where we can at times have different views and come at things in different way. Remember this. We are one in Christ Jesus. And that should bind us so that all those other things can be dealt with. We are ready to accept and work together in unity. And we come here together as one to learn of the God Jesus Christ. Here were people who came to Solomon's porch, to that area of the temple. They knew that's where the meeting would be. And they delighted to meet together in Christ. So it should be our delight to meet together in Jesus Christ. Every meeting where God's people are should be a meeting of unity and of joy in the Lord. Whatever other things you might have in your mind against or by someone, remember, go and confess it to your brother and sort it out. Come as one in Christ. We have been forgiven our sin. Next week as we come around the Lord's table, we will see the outward symbols of His blood shed to cleanse We need to be ready to be at one, forgiving one another. And we all make mistakes. We all have faults. The unity of Christ should bind us for the glory of His name. And so when we read these words concerning the power of God that was worked, why wonderful that they came to meet together in a oneness of mind and heart. And it was the outworking of the Spirit of God upon them. But here we do see power at work, a mighty power at work. It is the power of God and ultimately it was God who was binding them as he holds them in his hand. Secondly, as we look at these verses, I want to think about the witness of the church. And that comes as we look at verse 13 where we might uh, be caused some difficulty. We are given indication of their witness in verse 13 and yet it seems almost to be contrasted with verse 14. Here we're told that no one else dared join them. And then in verse 14 we have nevertheless more and more women believed. So how are we to to read this portion of God's word? What is Luke getting at as he speaks? Well, let me put it like this. First of all, this witness that no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. The witness was such that these believers were well thought of. They were highly regarded. Their behavior was such that they were upright, good people. And those who knew them knew that they were a people 
who loved the living God and whose characters had changed and they were trustworthy and they could know the Lord. Even those who disagreed with them saw them as people of worthy character. They maybe looked at this group on the other side of the temple area. Perhaps they passed by them as they went about their own outward religious duties. And they whispered among themselves, those people, there's something about them. I wouldn't dare join them. I would be afraid, but there's something about them. They have a good reputation. Is that your reputation? Is that your reputation? Is that the reputation we have as a body of God's people? Do people down the street in our town speak of those who love the Lord and say they're highly regarded? Because if we are in Christ, then that's the witness we are to have. That's how it ought to be. Yes, some of us may have had difficult backgrounds. But you see here, the people knew, there were among them some who might have been pretty scandalous characters. But now they're meeting in Solomon's porch with the people of God. And they're changed. They're made new. So the witness of the corporate body is a good one and those who join with them in faith are noticed to be new. So whatever your past history, if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you ought to be letting that shine around you wherever you go. You and I may think that the world doesn't take any note. But friends, the world does watch us. It maybe watches us to try and trip us up But may it be that your example and mine is clear. That we love a God who saves us. That our commitment is to a king who is never going to die or pass away. Who rules over all things for all eternity. And our behavior is to be such to give respect and honor to him. Acting humbly and working for his glory. You know, the story is told of a man who went to visit David Livingstone in Africa, a man by the name of Henry Stanley. He he himself was not a believer when he went. He went to spend time with Livingstone, and after some time, this was his testimony. He says and reported that seeing his, that is Livingstone's piety, his gentleness, his earnestness, And how he went about his business. I was converted by him. Although he had not tried to do that. Isn't that amazing? An atheist. A man who didn't believe God. Simply living with David Livingston. A mission worker in Africa. Everything he saw spoke of Jesus. And although Livingston didn't try to convert him converted. Friends, your life is to be like that. That's the life of these people here. They were highly regarded. We pray that we might have a witness 
We, may, we do sometimes have to make an effort. We want people to be challenged and converted. Of course, that's again back to the power of God. We're dependent on Him. But our lives need to speak to His glory. The second part of this in this verse, in the witness of the people, is that though they held the people in respect, they were also afraid. They dared not join them. Why? Why? Because they knew, they knew the power of God. They had heard what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And these people dared not join them. They didn't come and want to be part of that group without a heart that was changed because they knew that Ananias and Sapphira had been cut down in the judgment of God for sin. And they dared not enter into the fellowship in a wrong way, knowing that their hearts would be exposed. In other words, they dared join them on holy fear of the God that they knew was in control and they knew that somehow they knew their hearts were not right with God. This was a healthy fear. It kept them from wrongly associating with the people of God in becoming members when they had no right to be members of the church. They feared the Lord's hand upon them. I'm not sure if that would be the case today uh, in our pro- uh, province, in our setting. It may have been the case in some places, but today people don't fear God. To many, God is just an irreverence. He's dismissed. Oh, if people would awaken to the hand of God that is upon the nation in judgment. If people would realize that in fact God is at work in the world. And that the church, those who are faithfully following Jesus Christ, are his people. And he will keep them. Even though we will suffer under the general malaise of the day, God will keep his people. Friends, we ought to make it our prayer that people will awaken to the holiness of God. In the past, there was a kind of reverence for God. People joined the church. Sadly, sometimes they didn't have the holy fear that caused them to make a true commitment. They thought it was the done thing. We want people to know the power of God. We want them to know that when we worship God, they, they are in fear of the God we worship. Because he is a God who judges. The whole subject of judgment is little talked about so many places. Yet, we're going to the day of judgment. And perhaps going there more quickly than some would realize. Friends, they dared not enter the church. Be part of it. Because of a holy fear of God. And they knew they were not right with God. That's why we have verse 14 there. I wonder, does the awe of God go out from you? Are we a witness and a testimony to the absolute holiness of God? To His power and His judgment? Yes, we speak about His love. 
we share and tell people of the glory of God. Let's try and get across to more and more people. His majesty, his power, his divine right, his sovereignty, and all that he is in his great glory. The witness of the church, they were highly regarded. And such was their word, such were their actions, that the God they worshipped was known and held in reverence and holy fear. Thirdly, we come to the fourth, verse 14, the growth of the church. Isn't it wonderful then to read, Nevertheless, despite all that others looked in upon, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Here were people who stood in awe, but they came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. They put their trust in Christ. They feared God, yes, but they could do nothing else but humble themselves before Him and accept that Jesus alone was the way of life. They were ready to do the will of God and to honor Him. The power of God was there. They couldn't mistake it. They saw the miracles of healing. They heard the message and they knew by the Spirit's testimony with their own spirit that Jesus was Christ the Lord. And they joined the church, believing. And they were added into the unity of the church. God was at work by His power and so the church grew. And indeed, if it had not been for the power of God, the church could not have grown. He alone is the one who is able to take the broken, sinful man and enable him to realize his need and cry out and be brought to saving faith. God grants the gift of faith. And if we long in our day, as we do, to see the church grow, it is only going to happen by the power of God. And we are to be a witness to it, but the power of God is necessary. And you know, we should not be dispirited even in these days of small things. It is good for us to keep our wider perspective, albeit the main focus of our thoughts and our prayers will be our own town and fellowship and our own denomination and our own province. But it is good to have a wider perspective where we hear what God is doing in other places. And today we hear of the work in China or India or in some other countries where there are believers joining themselves to the fellowship of Christ's people despite persecution because God is building His church. The church is growing. The church is growing today. It may not be growing here. It may not be growing in our province, but it is growing. We are to be encouraged and strengthened. We may be in difficult days, days of small things in the kingdom and in this province. But the church is growing. We long to see the church grow in our land and our community, but we need God's power. And what we need to be doing is more and more crying out to Him to show mercy, praying for God to come in power. 
That's what happened at the time of the revival. Oh, how we need the holy power of God to revive again and to awaken people to their utter need that is there. Let us be clear. All the efforts and all that we do in seeking to speak to people and in running meetings and all of those other things are valuable and good. But unless we cry out for God's power to be at work, then they will come to nothing. So we need to pray for friends and neighbors, for people to change by the power of God. Last week we had the privilege of worshipping in Ballyclabber and in the evening service Robert McCollum Jr. preached in that service on the words of Jesus, I will build my church. Friends, think about those words. That's the word of Jesus. Sometimes we look at the New Testament church and hear people coming in. We say, what's wrong with us? It's just a different age and a different time. But Jesus' words still stand. I will build my church. And so in times when we're discouraged, think about those things. And cry out to the Lord to be pleased to build his church. He is building. Maybe not so much here, but he is still building. Building up your life and adding others. Maybe even unknown to us. And so the growth of the church, something we long for, should pray for. But it only comes by the power of God. And friends, it is a miraculous power. Some people think, where's the miracles today? But you're a miracle. I'm a miracle. It's a miracle that God should take someone like me in all my sinfulness and lay his hand of grace and call me to faith. That's a miraculous work. It's a powerful work of God. What I would be without him is the worst sinner in the world, unworthy of anything or anyone's respect. His miraculous working is still evident in the lives of men and women. Lastly, I want to think about the ministry of the church that we see in these verses. And here we have miraculous signs being performed and people trusting in the Lord. And what do they do? Well, they go and they tell others. And in telling others, others want healed. And they want this miraculous work in their own bodies. And so what do we find? As a result, we read in verse 15, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And these people were sick and frail, and yet they believed that if they could see Peter, if they could come near, they would be healed. And we need to be utterly clear, there is absolutely no suggestion here of any superstition or anything concerning Peter. It was simply the outworking of the power of God in the apostolic age. Powers that disappeared with the apostles because once the church began to grow and develop and go forward, there was no more need for miraculous powers. The message was clear. Christ was a risen Lord and many had come to know him and so commend the truth to others. 
So we don't need the same apostolic healing powers. But God is still a miracle working God, healing the soul to the glory of his name. Here were people who were being healed. That's the witness, the, the ministry of the church, bringing others to hear the message and under the power of the miracle-working disciples, apostles. And one of the features of this is that there were those who were not only sick physically, but who were being tormented by evil spirits. And they were all restored. Here were a people affected, not just physically, but also spiritually, maybe and mentally, by the devil. Some might suggest that in those days, the indwelling evil spirits were more evident because of Jesus being in the world and because of this immediate after his resurrection, the power of God at work so evidently. And that spiritual or uh, demon possession was a, a much greater thing. We don't see that so much today except to say this. It's not impossible. And what we do know that everyone in their sin is in their sin under the power of Satan. And we can't know exactly what's going on and who's in control, but we know that it is Satan who is in control of those who are not in Christ. He is the one who has mastered them. They have not, by God's power, mastered sin. And what a miracle it is that God can take someone under the control of the wicked one and bring a transforming work and bring them to himself, thus healing them from their greatest sickness. And that's what we long for and pray for, that people may believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be healed from their greatest which is sin. And in one sense, compared with sin, all our physical illnesses are as nothing. We will all die and go to the ground, but we'll be raised victorious and have a new body in the heavens that are yet to come and the new earth. The ministry that the church had was borne out then in a very practical way, bringing the sick, bringing the demon possessed, that the power of God might be at work on them. And friends, we need to continue to minister to others. Our focus, of course, is on the soul. So often, even the physical issues that people have are connected to things of the soul. If people come to faith in Jesus Christ and rest and trust in Him, for many that sorts out some of the physical problems they have. There are many physical issues, of course, that remain. But at least we know peace with God. And we can come to rejoice in Him. But it is His power that is at work. No man can change himself. He needs to bow on his knees and hold out his hands. Father, save me. Help me. Think of how Jesus met these demon-possessed people in his own ministry. Jesus took the initiative. 
Jesus was the one. The devils were crying out, leave me alone. Jesus cast them out. And today it is the power of God we need to cast out the wicked power of Satan from the lives of the ungodly that they might be changed. We need the miraculous power of God. We could do without electricity for a few days but we can never do without the power of God. Even we who love him in our own lives we're dependent upon him. It's that power leads and helps us to be united in Christ. It is that miraculous power of God that will help us to be a witness so that people will know that we are his and that the God we worship is worthy of holy fear. It is that power that will bring growth and it is that power will help us to minister to others.